0: Um, I began life as a child of great and boundless enthusiasm for life. Because I had the great advantage of having a loving family. When I entered school, I discovered something really quite remarkable. I was a happy child. But uh, when I went to school, I discovered something that really transformed my life, which was that learning, there was a world of learning out there that would immeasurably enlarge my own immediate circle. And I was fascinated by that. I fell in love with learning when I was five or six years old. And I resolved as a result that I always wanted to be involved in learning in some immediate and passionate way. So that's really the story of my life, frankly. My physical universe as a child was very constrained. I grew up in Texas. There's nothing more constrained than that. Um, Don't get me wrong, I love Texas. Um, But my family didn't have the means to give me very much. And certainly they never traveled. Uh, In fact, um, by the time I left for college, most of my family had never been outside of, I don't know, 50 miles um, around Houston. And I knew from the books that I read, that there was something out there. And that if I paid attention, I could have a much bigger universe. So I began to read about that vast universe of knowledge that had been created over the, over the many centuries. I began to read about disparate cultures. I began to read about the many disciplines that make up our, our universe of knowledge. My goal became that of devouring every area of knowledge that I could, taking advantage of every moment, and extending that opportunity eventually to others. So it was natural to me that I should go on to college. And I got a scholarship for that purpose. And not only did I want to go to college, but I wanted to go around the world. And I wanted to experience life as seen through the eyes of many different people. And so when I was 18 years old, for reasons that I can't even fathom now, I'd never do it today, when I was 18 years old, I decided that all I knew was African-American culture in the South and in Texas at that. And I thought, I've got to get out of here and go to another country. And all I could afford was to go to Mexico. So I went to Mexico when I was 18, and I lived with a Mexican family, and I learned Spanish. And after that... I understood that learning another culture was a way of understanding my own and so I started traveling and studying abroad. It seemed logical for me to study another language and so I studied French and then I studied in France and I decided this was too good to be true and so I decided to stay in French and I went on to graduate school in Romance Languages and Literatures. Then I became an interpreter after that. And that job working for the State Department allowed me to travel around the country showing this country to visitors and again seeing it through their eyes. I became a professor when I graduated from graduate school, professor of language and literature. But almost immediately when I became a professor, I became concerned about solving problems. Because the experience I had as a student, I didn't see my students having the same experience. I was very concerned about that. And I began to think that one way for me to enlarge the experience that people like me might have was to be in administration, to try to get more students of color into the universities, to try to help them through their time in universities, and ultimately to help them come to learn to appreciate this world of learning that was so magical for me. So I got into administration and then of course um, as you see I've become president of a college. Uh, I think I've learned from the previous people who've been up here that the more we talk the less you have a chance to talk. And so I'm going to stop there, that's a little overview of where I've come. I just want to reiterate one brief thing that was said in the introduction and that is When I was your age, I was absolutely persuaded that I was the smartest person in the room wherever I found myself. How many of you think you're the smartest person here? (laughs) I didn't think you'd raise your hand. As one person, thank you, one person raised their hand. It is, there's something about learning and the power of it that makes us feel, makes us know that we have power. And that sometimes leads to unfortunate consequences. It leads to arrogance all too easily. It leads to our failure to listen. We're so busy waiting to have our chance to shine that we don't listen to what's going on around us. It's a big problem in the best universities in the country. There's a problem with honesty and personal authenticity. There's a problem in respecting people who are not as smart. And I guess the one thing I would say, and I always say to my students at Smith, is be careful. Because the smartest person you meet, the best person you meet, may be the person who has the least amount of education. May be the person who does not seem to be nearly as smart as you. So if you close yourself off from learning by assuming that you know everything and by assuming that the person you meet doesn't have anything to offer, you will be very much impoverished for it. So I'd be happy to take questions. Hi, my name is Rebecca Weinstein I'm from New York and my question is what do you think is the main advantages of all female education the, what is the main advantage of all female education well um, I grew up uh, in the pre-civil rights days and so I didn't have a choice I went to segregated schools and they were very good happened to be very good for me um, And then um, I had the advantage of going to uh, a women's college for a time. Those of you who have been privileged to grow up in an environment where you're taken seriously and where your mind is taken seriously will not understand what it is to be in an environment where your mind is suspect, where your mind is thought to be second class. So the purpose of a women's college still today is to give women the advantage of being in an environment that's normal. Your intellect is what matters. That's what you focus on. So you're not constantly proving that you belong. You're not constantly proving that you're the best mind in the class. You take it for granted. So one of the things that I've understood as an African-American in this country is that I've never known the experience of normalcy. Just being, not proving to you that I deserve to be here, not proving to you that I can speak well, not proving to you that my mind is excellent, that's the reason that women's colleges exist. And I think that it's very good for some students, not good for all, but certainly for some students, it makes them excel in really exceptional ways. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Cheryl Sherrod from Memphis, Tennessee. And um, I know there's a big, I know you have benefited greatly from a more integrated educational system as you went to Harvard and there were students of different races. And I know in the black community there's this prevalent Attitude or feeling that only historic that black kids should only go to historically black schools. What are your feelings about those um, views and do they limit the black community? Well, first of all, uh, let me say and thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak to that. Because um, I think there is a lot of misguided information in this country about education. First of all, not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody learns at the same speed. Not everybody is comfortable in the same learning environment. I had the advantage of going to a historically black college, and it was wonderful for me, because the rest of the country was saying to me, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're unworthy. I was in an environment where people loved me, and they thought I was smart. And wherever I've been where people thought I was smart, I've worked up to that. When I first started at Princeton University, people came to me and said, you know, Ruth, one day, you're going to be a college president. I thought, what? Not me. But when somebody said that to me, that's what I became. Every college is good if it provides you the right environment to flourish and to love learning. Every college. And so, though I, though I went to Harvard, it was a hard place to be. It was a hard place. It was a harsh place for me. But I was with brilliant people, and it helped me immensely. Um, Diller did more for me than Harvard did, because it was a caring place that respected my ability. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hi, I'm Catherine Koala from Chicago, Illinois. Um, Dr. Simmons, you spoke of this um, this voracious love of learning which you've um, encountered in your five or six, which you've encountered, I've encountered, and I think to some extent everyone in this room here has encountered. Um, however, we look at the, our Drooping national standards of how people are not, the children aren't learning what they learned decades ago. How can we ensure, not through college, but through elementary education, that children can find the sort of love of learning of which you speak and is so dear to each of us? Well, we live in a very, first of all, we live in a very materialistic culture. And when I was a child, I had nothing, nothing. And so um, I understood what an asset to me my mind was. Many of the children you're talking about don't understand what an asset their mind is. They don't understand that by cultivating it, by nourishing it, um, that they can get many, many returns over their lifetime. That's the message we need to give to children. You don't need to learn everything. Where where are you going to college? Williams. Williams. You won't learn everything at Williams. You will only begin there. What you need most is the knowledge that you will need to keep learning, and that you'll need to keep developing your mind. Uh, today, I mean, I took a PhD in French, language and literature. What do I do today? I, I, I run a you know, a billion-dollar enterprise. Um, I work with budgets. I serve on corporate boards. What does that have to do with French? Well, it doesn't have much to do with French. But what I did was develop my mind, and I learned constantly, whenever the opportunity arose to do that. That's what we need to imbue in our st- in our young people the desire, the hunger to develop their minds constantly throughout their lives. Okay. And bad teachers, um, inadequate resources, all of those I had, but nothing could stop me from learning. So I think it's that love of learning that I think means so much. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you very much.